Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. And this is Will Mavity's interview with the directors, producers, and writers for Violation, Madeline Sims Fewer, and Dusty Manzanella. I miss you. Do you? Yeah, I miss what we used to be like. <laughs> That's when Dad started calling you my white knight. Brainwashed her. He just doesn't do everything you say anymore. <laughs> I so cold. I have to tell you something and I don't want you to freak out. Why would I freak out? It's about Dylan. Okay. Don't get angry. I didn't know your sister was such a badass with a knife. created a reality that is completely different from everyone else's. Where you're this saint who gets tricked into doing bad things. First and foremost, you know, this is a fairly small, low-budget film. Tell me a little bit about the process of getting it financed and getting pitching this kind of film in the first place and getting it made. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a good question. Uh, so we met at the 2015 TIFF Talent Lab, and at the time we were secretly looking for a collaborator. Yeah, just making our own films, and, and we decided to experiment by making some shorts together and see how it worked out. Um, I think we were very tentative about it, and in the beginning, because you never know whether a collaboration is going to work or not. Um, and it was just so much fun. It was the first time that either of us had really enjoyed the process of making the film rather than just kind of making it with the, the end in sight. And we had just finished our second short when we started writing Violation. And um, there was this new uh, program in Canada um, called the Telefilm Talent to Watch program. And it was designed for emerging filmmakers. And our short film, um, Woman in Stall, won the Grand Jury Prize at Slamdance, which made us eligible um, to, for, apply. to apply. And it, we mm. kind of skip um, and go straight to the jury of this application. So it kind of accelerated the, the whole uh, development process of the film. Um, and then we were very lucky to also receive uh, financing through Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. So these are uh, small grants that really help, uh, again, emerging filmmakers and make films that are challenging. These aren't these aren't designed for commercially accessible films. Um, so yeah. it's fitting uh, f for what we were doing uh, mm -hmm. so much so that, you know, there's no uh, creative um, oversight. oversight whatsoever. Yeah. It's really about 
providing you with the support that you need to make the film that you want to make. Which is kind of the best position you can ever be in, I think, with your first feature of just being yeah. able to, we really had free reign. We could do exactly what we, we envisioned. And we produced all of our shorts. Um, and so that really enabled us to feel comfortable producing the feature, which was kind of crazy to do all on our own. But afforded us again more control over how we executed the the script and um, not compromising on certain things so for example uh, we're from Toronto and in Ontario it's a very flat specific kind of look and a lot of young filmmakers used a lot of the same locations and we really wanted to shoot in the mountains and that meant driving six hours with the casting crew and when you're on a tiny budget like this it, I think a lot of producers would have said hey that's crazy don't do that uh, but it was so critical to us to mm-hmm. um, we were so inspired by the foreboding uh, mountains and the the lush foliage of of you know these gorgeous pined woods. Um, so for us, it was all about how do you maximize uh, the little money that you have, um, and just I think with all the tricks of making tons of shorts, we kind of yeah we knew the areas that we could cut back in. Dusty did the uh, Dusty did my makeup every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's, uh, you know, you wear a lot of hats and you, we also developed a visual aesthetic that um, relies on all natural light. And that meant mm. it could be more nimble. Uh, so we had a very tiny crew for the most part of, of maybe 12 people. And on certain days, maybe we balloon to 25, but otherwise we're really small. So we can, mm-hmm. we can travel, we can move. Um, and that really allowed us to, to make this uh, for such little money. So you guys basically didn't have any lighting setups out there. This is pretty much just rolling with what it looks like in the wilderness. So no, so no. We didn't have any lights, any stands, anything like that, but we were very, very controlled about the way that we shaped the light that was available. Um, sure. So we spent a lot of time. We spent about a month, just over a month um, up in the, the Laurentians where we shot, just doing lighting tests. Mm. Um, so we would just film what it looked like um, at sunrise and at sunset um, and really, in the woods by the lake. And being very particular about the locations mm-hmm. so that we could have very specific windows and facing certain directions. And then working closely with our production designer um, with curtains and lampshades to uh, shape and control the natural light lighting sources like the incandescent light bulbs and the spaces yeah. that we're going to be working with. And then... Um, it also meant shooting some scenes across multiple days. So we shot, mm-hmm. for example, um, the big set piece in the film in the middle. Um, it's like a 10 minute scene. We shot over five days. Uh, we knew we had a four hour consistent window of light and then we would spend the morning prepping and rehearsing and then we'd go and shoot the little chunk that we were going to do that day. So, um, I think it's about being very, it requires a lot of preparation. I think yeah. that's really what it comes down to. It's like, and, and 50 million schedules because we would yeah. change. Uh, and then leaning into things like, you know, when it started raining, uh, that was amazing. You know, a lot of a lot of the time they say, oh, if it rains, you have to go inside. It's like, no, that's that's we a just, lot of money. Yeah, we just made the scene in the rain. <laughs> in the rain. It's amazing. You know, mm-hmm. rain is awesome. Let's. So it's, it's about, hey, we can shoot that scene because it's raining and it's going to amplify the emotionality of that particular scene and, and really strengthen the overall value of the movie. It's very the revenant of the, the revenant of you. Was it also very cold? When you did this, just like that production? Oh, we it were was. Like, we kept calling it the micro-budget revenant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
we were lucky though. We shot in the summer and fall. So for the most part, it was really beautiful weather, except for shooting the scene in the lake. Uh, we weren't prepared, even though it was August, we weren't prepared for mountain lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we have lakes around us, but it's not the same as when you're in the mountains. It's yeah. it's really cold and we had wetsuits on and everything. But still, when you're in that water for 14 hours. Yeah. There were a lot of scenes actually looking back on it that were cold. The the scene on the terrace where oh, we're right. all drinking together was freezing. Because again, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, again, we we always forgot to factor in like when you're shooting at like dawn. Dawn is just cold all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I totally. Forgot or out about in that. the woods with the wolf. You're, you're right. And, yeah, you're right. it was. Totally, it was just a cold shoot. I've already forgotten the cold days. <laughs> I'm imagining mosquitoes too, right? I, I've been to yeah. Canadian mountains in the summer and that's hell with those. Not even, it's not, it's like the, what are they called? The, the deer. Deer flies. Deer flies. Yeah, like they, they, they like oh, bite out of you. They like literally oh. a chunk out of your, mm-hmm. your skin. Um, so, I mean, on it, but it was kind of beautiful and lovely because you're just surrounded by like all the stuff that, all the uh, nature imagery in the film we couldn't have scripted. It was just mm-hmm. being up in the mountains for so long, you start to notice these gorgeous natural things happen, like a spider is eating a, a fly. <laughs> <laughs> Literally happened to be happening. We're shooting one scene and we're like, oh my God, look at this. Go, let's film this one thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to embrace it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. So Madeline, you, you obviously mentioned everyone wears a lot of hats. I mean, you maybe had the most hattiest of hat wearing since you're in it too, right? I am. I think I honestly, I think that Dusty probably wore more hats than me. Um, but it was, I think because I'm on screen, it's definitely apparent how, how it's uh, insane that she's in it because you're literally, she's doing the same amount of prep I'm doing. Plus she's learning her lines. I remember thinking like, do you know lines? Cause I, I don't see you learning them. How do you know them? I know you wrote it with, with me, but like, I don't know the lines. Yeah, it was, it was, t- it just, uh, it just required an extreme amount of work and no sleep. Yeah. At one point I remember we, t- we turned to each other and it was like seven days in and we were both like, oh my God, I think I'm dying. Like, cause we just had, <laughs> And we shot for 33 days. So that was the first end of the first week. We couldn't believe we still had. 
Yeah, because it was just like, it means genuinely, it means working 15 to 16 hours a day. And we took one day off in three months. So it was like, you're, you're just go, 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 go. No time, yeah. no time. And uh, it was it was crazy. I, it really is. Crazy. There is there's something kind of nice, though, about acting um, because there were these extended moments where I was able to escape the stress of right. um, directing. Getting and, lost. Yeah, and just get lost in the, the emotion of the scene, which is quite, even though it was really heavy and uh, dark and those emotions are, uh, have their own stresses, it's completely removed from the stress of carrying this movie on, on your shoulders. So let me ask, um, tell me about the process of having a film of this subject matter of having uh, a man and a woman both working on telling the story a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, our friendship was really forged around our own shared histories with trauma and abuse in our past. And, you know, many of our shorts deal with very similar topics. Um, And it was for us, it was something we we were really drawn to. I think violation was the culmination of us really wanting to express an idea and a feeling. And it was about um, trying to capture a visceral experience for the audience that puts them through the same post-traumatic stress that the body goes through of someone who's dealing with residual trauma mm. um, and really tell this story from this one woman's perspective. And in, you know, within this subgenre of rape revenge, we're so used to seeing wish fulfillment and the, the climax is the centerpiece of the revenge. And it's, we sensationalize it, we romanticize it, we celebrate it. And there's this cathartic release. And we wanted instead to focus on the grisly nature of revenge. So we've positioned it in the middle of the movie and um, the aftermath of the revenge is as, as important as the revenge itself. It's really more focused on what, what are the consequences of revenge? How does it corrode your morality and, and what does it do to you emotionally and psychologically? That was just far more interesting to us. And I think we were trying to, you know, scare ourselves in not wanting to seek revenge. I think all of our shorts as well um, have dealt with this idea of recontextualizing um, people. And you think as an audience um, that you know someone and you understand them, and then we show you another side or a different part um, of their history or something that they they do later on, um, just a different take. And hopefully that kind of deepens your understanding of the whole situation and of them as a person. Yeah, because I thought it was interesting. It was a really interesting choice to have her harm other third parties as well who weren't guilty both. Um, I don't want to go too spoilery, but obviously with her, her ex-husband and then mm. a number of people at the end of the film. Um how did you choose a particular food? How do, why is ice cream? Why ice cream? Uh, I'm so curious about that. Yeah, there's something very like innocuous and yeah. child childlike about it. I think. Yeah, I think you don't ever expect something dangerous to be associated with with ice cream. So there's, um, it seems to be the perfect delivery mechanism for something as horrendous. I think for us, it was about the um, the idea of um, everyone's now complicit. Right. And it's yeah. about they're consuming um, the, the extended family and the family are consuming the wrongdoings of this person. And in a way, she is trying to punish a bloodline and 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 everyone's now culpable, which is, I think, really what it was all about. And trying mm-hmm. to find something that was just, you know, you, you, you'll never look at ice cream the same way. <laughs> 
No. Uh, and then the last question I had was the sound really stood out to me in this film. I mean, you have a scene where there's a, there's a body burning and you can hear like a sexual grunting over it. And obviously there's this really gross drip, drip, drip we hear at one point. So tell me a little bit about the sound and telling the story. The sound was actually something that was um, woven into the script. So it was, I mean, it was from the very moment that we started writing it, sounds were so important because it's building that idea of your senses, um, how your senses can uh, bring you back to these traumatic moments. So when you've experienced a trauma and, and uh, you smell a certain thing or you hear a specific sound, you're suddenly transported back to this exact time when this traumatic thing happened. Um, so it was, we were always playing with, even just on the page, these heightened noises. Yeah, so much so like the Wailing Loon, we would set up microphones at five in the morning by the docks trying to capture mm. those actual mm -hmm. um, call, mating calls, uh, which are really horrific to hear. Um, and we also recognize that there's a lot of uh, silence in the film. So there's extended sequences where there's no dialogue. And within the genre of, well, how do you create a sense of dread? It, it, you know, our aesthetic is ground is meant to be grounded and naturalistic. So we're relying now on these small sounds, like the sound of breathing, the sound of uh, like his zip ties rustling against the wood and, and this, the wood being scraped, like these little things that suddenly create a, a tremendous amount of tension within a scene where otherwise there's no music, there's no dialogue. And um, you want the sound to really uh, amplify um, the emotionality of what's happening. Well, I think we're out of time, guys, but uh, this is an incredibly memorable movie. It will certainly stick with me for some time, and I'm sure Shudder's audience is really going to enjoy it. So thank you so much, guys. Yeah, thanks thank so much. Thank you very much. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the writers, directors, and producers for the film Violation, Madeline Sims Fewer, and Dusty Mancinelli here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Violation will be available exclusively on Shudder on March 25th. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.